1: uh, he's a group leader at the uh, University of Cambridge. We're going to talk about uh, some issues related to cancer, um, tissue-specific carcinogenesis, uh, various cancer issues. So, uh, Chris, welcome. Thanks for coming.
2: Richard, thanks for having me here. It's my my pleasure uh, to be here today and to discuss about my work. Looking forward to it.
1: Yeah. So, why why do you focus on uh, cancer and studying it? What uh, what pushed you in that direction?
2: What? Okay. Uh, First of all, uh, maybe uh, I, I can uh, specify a little bit what, uh, what we do, so you, you will see why we are interested in, in uh, what we do at the moment. Uh, so our main focus is actually on a very uh, peculiar topic in uh, cancer biology, uh, that is cancer metabolism. So we are really intrigued by understanding how cancer cells find the nutrients to grow and to proliferate and uh, this is an emerging aspect of cancer biology that we uh, we stumbled upon about uh, 10 years ago and even before uh, when i was doing my postdoc and uh, This is an area of research that is very exciting nowadays because it not only is able to reveal new aspects of of cancer biology, fundamental biology, but also it has a lot of uh, potential therapeutic venues for anti-cancer therapy that we are also trying to explore.
1: So you know that cancer acts to recruit to get its own nutrition. Does it... um, Do you know if if a cancer has metastasized, do you know if the metastases and the main tumor all act in concert? Can you tell?
2: Wow. Yes, so this is absolutely a crucial question for the lab. I'm glad you asked. So we initially, when the field uh, started, uh, the community was very much focused on, on the primary tumor. And for technical reasons, it was very difficult to understand whether there was a difference in the way the cancer, the primary tumor versus the metastasis uh, used uh, nutrients. But now I think, thanks to new approaches to to this kind of question, we realize that the the metabolic needs of the primary tumors are very different from those of the metastasis. And now there is a big question that we are trying to understand is whether, for instance, the metastasis that have a specific Let's say call it in quote a dietary needs that are closer to the tissue where they metastasize. So actually, the the site of metastasis might uh, um, might be underpinned by the specific nutrient that the metastasis need compared to the primary tumor.
1: Well, one thing I I haven't figured out is when you have a let's say you have liver cancer and it metastasizes to the um, you know the, the pancreas. Yes. Um, in the pancreas, is it pancreatic cells that have now become cancerous or is it uh, liver cells that have migrated to the pancreas yes. that are cancerous or is it a mixture of both? Yes.
2: Yeah, so th- this is another uh, very, very tough question. So what we know is that uh, from the primary tumors, there are, let's say in the in this case, you, you made the example of the liver, you have a, a few cancer cells from the liver that start to migrate. They go into the bloodstream and then, with a very low efficiency, they start to invade other tissues and there they start the metastasis. So, indeed, what you see in the metastasis is, in theory, originated from the primary tumors. But then, during this process, the cells lose their identity. So, whilst initially, in the primary tumor, the cells still resemble somewhat the liver, in the metastasis, they are more different. We call this process a process of the differentiation. So the cells literally lose their identity and they, they, they become something that we call undifferentiated. And this is how you know sometimes we distinguish the primary tumors from metastasis and actually how we distinguish even tumors from normal tissue. It's just because they have a very, very different uh, shape and also different Functions they lose their initial activity.
1: Do, do they become like somewhat pluripotent, or you know, oh, what uh, does the undifferentiation uh, look like?
2: Yes, so that's that definitely again uh, on point. Uh, it is so, depending on uh, you know, scientists and the line of research, someone actually believes that these cells are uh, you know what we call cancer stem cells, so they are stem cells, they have properties of stem cells, therefore they, they regenerate uh, tumor cells. In particular, this is the case for, uh, for some leukemias and uh, hematopoietic disorder, and uh, where really people are identifying what they call these stem cells, leukemic stem cells, that once uh, transplanted into, for instance, uh, different animals to see their uh, tumorigenic potential, they actually can recreate completely the tumor. So yes, it's a, some. I mean, the definition is a bit complicated, but yes, they resemble somehow the stem, stemness of cancer of, of stem cells.
1: But in a given tumor, I thought the morphology was that you might have stem cells, maybe in the middle or maybe yes. interspersed throughout the tumor, but, but you also have daughter cells that are not stem cells. Yes. So what what like in a given metastasis have they been dissected versus like a primary tumor, and yes. is there any? plan to where the stem cells are versus daughter cells? Do both cell types exist in metastasis and original tumors? I mean, what, is, what does that look like?
2: Uh, I think this is this is a tough question. Again, most of the time, uh, people distinguish the, uh, the, metastat- the metastatic cells uh, based on some markers, molecular markers, and the same happens with stem cells. So indeed, in some cases, you know, the metastatic cell uh, can resemble somehow uh, some... Features of the uh, of the stem cell. Again, I think here the definition is very loose, and uh, I think, whilst initially there was a big uh, big interest in understanding uh, the, the nature of this cancer stem cell, I think now the concept is becoming a little bit uh, looser and more complicated to to define. The more actually we dig into the uh, the, the properties of, of the cells in the tumor, you know, for instance, using uh, what we we call now uh, single cell profiling on single cell sequencing where we actually can look at individual cells. And you will see that in the tumor, there are many, many different uh, uh, cell types with different features. So again, the dichotomy uh, between stem cell and uh, tumors or cancer stem cell and tumor cell uh, seems to be too, too strict and difficult to define in my view.
1: So what aspects of, uh, of cancer are you looking into specifically with your research?
2: Yes. So we are, uh, really looking at all the different nutrients that the uh, cancer cells can use for, for various re- reasons. Uh, the first one is to understand whether uh, you know, we can uh, restrict some specific nutrients to reduce the proliferation, the growth, and even the metastatization potential of the cancer. And the other one is to see whether, for instance, by using specific nutrients, uh, we can identify uh, specific markers of uh, uh, the cancer's transformation uh, that we can identify by looking at specific uh, metabolites that the cancers use or produce. And uh, for, so th- this is just a general uh, description of the work. But at the same time, uh, we have also some interest in understanding the. Uh, pathophysiology on cancer, and more mechanistic aspects of it. And we are trying to elucidate an important question that is still unanswered. It is whether dysregulated metabolism can per se drive tumorigenesis. And this is uh, like a a big chunk of our research at the moment.
1: Oh, okay. So dysregulated metabolism, does that mean that uh, you're linking it to diet? Or where would this dysregulation of metabolism come from?
2: Yeah, so the this dysregulation of metabolism is at the cellular level. So we are trying to identify, for instance, whether uh, dysfunctions of enzymes in the cells uh, that are involved in specific uh, metabolic pathways uh, are responsible to driving cancer. And of course, this can be then extrapolated with you know some. Uh, Important uh, uh, assumptions here uh, to to dietary needs of the cancer and how these nutrients can then in turn affect the tumorigenic potential of the tissue.
1: Well, so so what kind of specific um, experimentation are you doing? What what are you trying to look for? Are you yes. you said you're evaluating metabolites from
2: yes. yes
1: from cancer cells, but is it from tumors or is it liquid tumors or like what How yes. do you find the metabolites in the first
2: place? Good question. So. Uh, this field of cancer metabolism actually exploded uh, about 15 years ago, thanks to the development of technologies that allowed us to detect hundreds of metabolites in a single specimen. And this technique is called metabolomics. And uh, this really revolutionized uh, our, our field, actually completely started the field from afresh. And uh, in, in brief, what we do in, the labo- in our laboratory is to take different uh, specimens. We go from uh, tumor samples from patients to bodily fluids. This can be blood, urine, and uh, cell lines, and also mouse models. We take tissues and cells, and then we, what we do, it's called metabolic profiling. We look at hundreds of metabolites in these different tissues, and then we understand what are the differences between this, uh, the tissue and the normal, and then we try to do, again, mechanistic studies in order to fully understand where these changes come from and whether we can perturb and modulate them.
1: So, what are some of the main, most predominant metabolites that they come from, regular cells and from tumors? Is there a lot of, you know, is there a lot of crossover? Are they radically different?
2: Oh yes. So again, this is uh, this is a, a very tough question. So we have trying to uh, to understand what it's called the metabolic landscape of cancer so trying to see whether tumors in general have some common features and you know it is very difficult to uh, to conclude this initially you know this was a uh, work that started about more than 100 years ago uh, by the pioneer of the field uh, Otto Warburg and he came out with this idea an hypothesis that is now considered uh, the cold of the Weinberg effect where all cancers exhibited increased glucose consumption and glucose utilization. And uh, this feature is indeed uh, an important shared features of cancers. So it seems that all cancers uh, in a way or another from a mechanistic point of view achieve this increased utilization of glucose. And uh, we realized the more we studied this and the more we capitalize on, on the large collection of samples that uh, uh, colleagues have achieved, is that apart from this feature, there are uh, many, many differences in terms of metabolic landscape of cancer. So it's very difficult then to say, oh yes, all cancers exhibit uh, increased utilization, for instance, of specific amino acids or uh, lipids or uh, proteins. It is uh, it is very complex, and uh, I think every cancer has to be looked individually, and uh, there are nuances that are important that make the situation even complex. Uh, from uh, from as I say, from a biomarker point of view, and also from a therapeutic yeah. point. If you
0: like this podcast, please click the link in the description to subscribe and review us on iTunes.
1: Well, what are, you know, what's an example of some of the metabolites you've seen? Like what what class of yes. compounds do they tend to be in? It was the the most prevalent ones.
2: Yes, so I I can give you an example of uh, a type of tumor that that we work, that we profiled extensively. And this is a type of renal tumor uh, called papillary type 2 renal tumor that is characterized by mutations of a metabolic enzyme called fumarate hydrate. And in this case, when you profile these tumors, uh, there is a metabolite that is strongly, strongly accumulated uh, in the tumor cells that is called fumarate. Uh, This is part of the metabolites that are contained in the pathway called the Krebs cycle or the tricarboxylic acid cycle. And uh, this metabolite, when accumulated, has important functions that go beyond its role in metabolism. And uh, this metabolite can actually activate oncogenic signaling cascades. So this is what is really exciting because now uh, as been demonstrated in many other examples, we are starting to realize that intermediates in metabolism can have signaling roles and this connects you know, the metabolic pathways to oncogenesis very strongly. In this case fumarate, uh, thanks to this plethora of biological function and uh, roles in oncogenic signaling cascades, has been called oncometabolites because can in some circumstances activate processes that then lead to transformation. So this is one of the discoveries in the field that really can uh, created almost a paradigm shift in the field of oncology.
1: So um, you mentioned earlier that, uh, and I read about this, glucose metabolism is different yes. for cancers. So I guess the normal metabolism that cells do, I guess it's called what, oxidative phosphorylation. And, and, yes. Uh, tumors tend to use a, uh, a different do you know if there's been a targeting of uh, tumors to try to starve them out because they use a different metabolic pathway to achieve their energy?
2: Yes, uh, definitely. This is an area that is actively investigated at the moment. So Initially, uh, when uh, the field uh, restarted, uh, as I said, about 15 years ago, uh, people believed that, yes, you could starve a tumor just by restricting glucose, for instance. And so there was a significant effort to identify inhibitors of glucose oxidation. And there there have been some success, but it was immediately clear uh, from the first experiment, that the situation was much more complex and uh, there are complications to the situation because when you block, for instance, glucose oxidation, then you realize that the cancer metabolism is very plastic and the cells, uh, in order to survive, start to use alternative nutrients. So this is, this is I think, the big problem with targeting metabolism. Uh, if, if I understand correctly your question, uh, it's about how we can target this. Uh, it is a big problem because metabolism is very flexible. And uh, you you can imagine just uh, making a a comparison. It's like we we are trying to uh, starve somebody just by cutting his um, uh, pasta and uh, pizza. But of course, immediately, even if you do that, this person will find something else to eat. And uh, this is exactly what happens to, to cancer cells. They are extremely flexible, probably even more flexible than normal cells in the body. Therefore. In order to identify uh, specific metabolic weaknesses or how we call them metabolic liabilities, we need to use more sophisticated approaches. And in particular, for instance, trying to target two different metabolic pathways at the same time. And this has proven more successful and uh, more appealing even from, uh, from, for pharma companies. And it seems to be the next, uh, um, the next step in the field of cancer metabolism. Gee,
1: okay. Um... Any other interesting things that you've gotten so far out of studying the, the metabolic differences? Uh, again, are they very divergent? Uh, can you tell? You know, What other surprises have you found so far studying these differences?
2: Well, I think for, for me, uh, the big, big, uh, big surprise uh, was really to identify non-metabolic functions of metabolites that are produced when metabolism goes awry, now th- there is one point that is also emerging that I think is very exciting and uh, should be considered now, and it is definitely considered by the community. It is that when we talk about metabolism of tumor, and we generally consider metabolism of cancer cells, but in in a tumor the situation is way more complex. And as you, as I'm sure you are aware, in the tumor so called in the tumor microenvironment. There are many different cell types, including immune cells, uh, including cells uh, of the stroma, which is cells of the sur- that are surrounding the tumors. And what is emerging, uh, which is, again, very, very exciting, is that there is a very strong metabolic cooperation and competition between cells of these different types, and this makes uh, the the strategies to target tumor metabolites even more complex because we need to consider not only the tumor cells when we do you know our uh, experiments, but we need to consider that there are other cells close to the tumor cells that might be taking up some of the metabolites released by tumors and actually in return can provide some metabolites to the tumor cells for their growth. So it is this, I think, the next step of the field is to try to decipher this complex metabolic communication within the tumor microenvironment. And this is a technological challenge, of course, but I'm, I'm sure that this will really uncover even more important features of tumor metabolism in general.
1: But what about the microbiome of tumors? And I've spoken to a number of people that, that appear to claim that all tumors have a associated microbial constituent. Then there was an article in Science recently that, that yes. found actual bacterial cells inside of cells that constitute Absolutely. tumors.
2: Yes, yes, this is this, yeah. This is very exciting. I think uh, it go, This goes to show that you know when when we do and uh, when we think about tumor cell metabolism, uh, the situation is very, way too simplistic, and there are so many variants. I mean, you mentioned the microbiome, and it, it is true. Uh, that you know, we uh, as one of the byproducts of this accelerated glucose consumption by the cancer cells, uh, the tumor cells produce lactate, and we know that lactate uh, is a very important substance. It can be used by the microbiome, and the microbiome in turn, in return, can also produce other metabolites that can regulate tumor cell biology. So. I think, uh, going back to the the issue of complexity uh, that we very uh, often try to avoid when we do experiments in the lab, uh, it is going to be an important uh, aspect to to consider in the future. And uh, the access between the tumor and the gap microbiome, for instance, or even the microbiome of the tumor is something that is completely unexplored and uh, something that can actually change significantly the physiology of the tumor.
1: Well, very good. So what's the best way for people to keep tabs on your work and to see what you're doing?
2: Uh, you mean from um, our ways to disseminate our our research?
1: Yeah, is there a lab page yes. that you have or what's yes, the best definitely. way for people to follow up? Yes,
2: so we have a lab page uh, that uh, contains information about this is a web page of our institute at the MRC Cancer Unit and uh, you can visit it and you can find information about our research. You can find information about our research team. We have also um, a video, a 3D video, where you can actually navigate inside the the lab. And you can hear from me, uh, there is a short uh, introductory uh, video on the summary of the research. And we are also quite heavily involved in uh, social media. So we have uh, a Twitter webpage uh, that is uh, where we share predominantly news about the field, cancer metabolism, and we keep it uh, very up to date. And I think it's uh, followed by uh, many people that are in love with this field.
1: Okay. Well, very good. Well, Christian, thank you for coming. And I'm glad that you're, uh, you know, you're one of the people that's just trying to figure out uh, all about cancer. It's incredibly complicated and, the more people that are working on it and trying to figure it out, uh, hopefully the faster we can figure out how to, uh, to mitigate it or get rid of it.
2: I think it's imperative that we will find a solution as soon as possible, uh, because I think especially we know these uh, increase uh, in a variety of uh, non-communicable diseases, and uh, there is an increase in the, in the rate of cancer. And the sooner we understand how to tame it, how to prevent it in particular, And out the curing, eventually, it's uh, the better for our society. And we will do our best to figure this out.
0: Well, very good. If you like this podcast, please click the link in the description to subscribe and review us on iTunes. You've been listening to the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs.